0: When you take a look at a sales presentation, almost every objection you get is your fault. You just have to own that process. And a lot of times salespeople are scared to because if they admit that they were wrong, they don't get to blame somebody else. So what do you do? Where do you go? What do you look for? Do you know the 12 most common reasons why you get objections in the sales process and how to deal with them? Maybe you should. Every single message you deliver is really a sales call. Either you are selling or being sold Aloha from Sacramento, California today. Today's an amazing day. I'm coming to you live from the How to Sell Show studios. And today we're going to talk about objections. One of the things that'll happen when I ride with people and I'm chuckling about this is I will ride with salespeople and the deal won't be closed and the salesperson will say, it's not my fault. <laughs> it's not my fault. And I'll sit there and I'll look and say, how is it not your fault? And they want to blame every everything else but themselves. And you do have to own your sales process. You do have to own what you did right and what you did wrong. And it's amazing to me, absolutely amazing to me, how many times that salespeople will not admit it was me. They want to say it was the lead. They want to say it was the buyer. They want to say it was the weather. They want to say anything but themselves. So first and foremost, you, just like I do, have to own the sales process. You do create your own objections when you meet with buyers, just like everybody else does. This is not a singular event. This isn't me saying you do it and I don't. Hey, I do it too. I can remember times where I walked out of of sales calls that I was on and I was just shaking my head and say, I know where I lost the deal. I know where I lost it. I know what I did wrong. I know what I did stupid. I know what did not work. And so for you, I'm going to share with you my saying, it's not a sales call, it's a performance. It's not a sales calls A performance means that you understand that it's your job to perform. And part of that is you are acting, you're being real, but you're acting, you're telling stories, you're telling jokes, you're pausing at the right amount of time to build the right amount of attention. You're doing what it takes to close a deal. And a lot of times I'll see salespeople where they don't want to put in the work, they don't want to put in the effort. And some of these items that I'm about to give you, you're going to see why. So let's start with item number one, not believing in your product or service. You know when somebody does not believe in what they have to offer. You know when somebody doesn't believe in what they're saying. Their vocal pitch and tone is wrong. The energy is wrong. The word pacing is wrong. People will say, hey, there's something wrong here, and I don't know what it is. Or they will flat out say, you really don't believe what you have to offer. And there's been times where I've been with salespeople, and They really didn't like the company. They really didn't like the product. They didn't like the service. They didn't like the people they worked with. And you could feel it in the energy in the presentation. I could feel it. The buyer could feel it. They could feel it. And something was off. If you don't believe in your product or service, the people around you, they know. Number two, old school sales. The thing about always be closing is that it pushes buyers away. And it is a huge form of neediness. And if you take a look at how people interact when they always be closing, one of the things that happens is that constant question of, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Leads the buyer to actually have more control than if you didn't do it. And I know that there's going to be some people who say, that's not how I was taught in the world of sales. And that's cool. We can have some differing opinions. We can say, Hey, look, you know, these are all the reasons why I think it works, or these are all the reasons why I don't think that it works. But just think about this for a second. The more that you pester your buyer with constantly closing and constantly checking in and constantly like, where are you at with this? What's going on? Like it shows that you're not confident in what you have to do. And as I mentioned, if you don't agree with me, that's cool. At least check out the other uh, the other 10 things that I have on this list and say, hey, look, I, I didn't agree with Scott on one of them, but I thought all the other 11 were fantastic and spot on. And for whatever reason... When I talk with salespeople, this is the one thing that they hold on to that they're like, I have to do this. I have to, I have to always be closing. It's what I was taught. It's a mantra in the industry. And this is why a lot of times you hear me say, and I laugh about it, like you don't always have to be closing. Number three, not preparing for the presentation. I, I rode with a sales guy one time and we are on the way, we are in the car and this was for in-home sales. And about halfway there, the guy says, hey, I forgot my my presentation guide. like, let's go back and get one. He goes, no, 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 I'll close the deal later. So we go, he stumbles the way through, he ends up closing the deal. And then he's like, well, I don't have paperwork, so I'll come back and do it later. He can never get a hold of the buyer. And the excuses the buyer came up with were just ridiculous. He was like, no, the sun's out today. Nope, I'm breathing air. Uh, I have shoes on. (laughs) It was just really what he was saying is... I'm not going to make a purchase from you. And had that guy would have had his paperwork and had he would have been prepared, you would have closed the deal. Number four, no real presentation. Now this can come from a couple of different things. This can come from buddy selling, which is like, you got a house. I got a house. You got a boat. I got a boat. You like a sport. I like a sport. And then on the, on the opposite end of that is going to be fly by the seat of your pants. Just say whatever you say, show up and throw up. Hopefully something's going to work. Uh, and it hardly ever does. And I'm going to give you a generic formula and you could take this and map out your presentation or you could take your presentation for real and map it out, but it usually goes down something like this rapport. That's like, Hey, I like you. You like me. Here's all the cool things that you got. Here's all the cool things that I got. Then there's discovery. What's your problem? What's your pain? What's your risk? What are you going to do? Some consequence questions, some reversing questions. Next on the list is going to be presentation. You're going to somehow present based upon what was told to you in discovery phase. Number five on this list, what you say in the presentation. You will talk around your greatest fears right there that you could have a self presentation and you can have some information, rapport, discovery, presentation, close, and objections. I use this example a lot for a reason because I don't know how long it took for me to figure this out, but it really does benefit you as a salesperson. I don't ever remember reading this anywhere. And I, in, when I ride with salespeople, it's one of the things that I teach them. And it's like, hey, like, hands down, you could be creating your own problems, especially if you have a fear of an objection. I love 80s movies. I love 80s movies because I was a kid in the 80s and I grew up in the 80s. And I'm going to give you a movie. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. They had this Stay Puft Marshmallow Man at the very end of the movie. And they're up, the the the, the Ghostbusters are up on the roof. And they're like, don't, don't think of anything. Don't think of anything. And then they go back and forth. And who thought of something? It was the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Objections and sales, they're kind of like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. The more that you think about them in a presentation, the more that you're going to get them. And the one that you have the biggest fear about is the one that you're going to talk around the most. So I ride with a salesperson and I say, okay, what's going on in your head? Well, I don't want objections. Well, why do you say that? Well, because I've been hearing a lot of, I want to think about it lately. I'm like, hey, let's, let's get that cleared up. Hey, tell me why you're a good salesperson. Tell me why you're fantastic. Tell me what you're good at, what you do. And they give me reasons. And then they go, yeah, but I don't want to hear the objection. So you know what objection they get? I want to think about it because they've talked around it because they got caught up in it. Number six on the list, not listening to the buyer or talking over the buyer. I have sat through some doozies. If I could take some time back of my life on the amount of times that I've sat with really bad salespeople who were never going to make it and just were not coachable this was one of the most common traits is they just, they just talk. They don't listen to anybody. They just talk. And then the buyers get frustrated and it, it like it's part of flying by the seat of your pants, but it's also a form of arrogance. And it's a common trait that I see with salespeople who just, they're not ever going to make it. They're not ever going to do it. And they think that they could talk themselves out of any situation and they can't. They're talkers. They're not closers. Number seven, not dealing with concerns as they come up. Sometimes people will say, well, you don't want to deal with an objection in the middle of the conversation. You know, you should wait to the end. I'm like, no, no, no. You should, like, if something comes up, you address it right then and there. Get it off the table. Figure out if you're going to move forward or not. A lot of times you can spend a whole bunch of time in a presentation to get nothing done because the objection got bigger by the time that you got to the end and you couldn't overcome it and you couldn't deal with it. Number eight, Woo, talking about yourself too much. I'm the greatest thing ever. As salespeople struggle, one of the things that happens is they get caught up in everything that they're doing in their life, but not in the sales life. It could be an event that's coming up. It could be a product they just bought. I am going to tell you a story about me. I was getting ready to go to Hawaii and this was, I don't know, like let's say 2006, 2007. And it was, it was wintertime. It was just before Christmas. I had closed the deal and it was pretty significant and it was going to be a bunch of money and like... One of the things that happens is when you're done closing a deal, your brain's like, I'm tired. I'm just going to say what I'm thinking. I'm going to be dumb. And you know, I'm young, (laughs) close the deal. And I'm sitting at the table with the buyer because I was doing in-home sales. I'm like, this is going to be fantastic. This is going to pay for part of my trip to Hawaii. And like, you can feel the energy just getting pulled right out of the room. (laughs) Lost the deal. Lost the income, lost the revenue because I was dumb. I was talking too much about myself. I built too much rapport in the process. And you know, people say, Well, that's not the reason you lost the deal. Well, it is because there's more to the story because I told the person how much money I was going to make on the commission, right? Talking about yourself too much, you will have problems and it will cause it will cause you some options. Number nine, being scared to ask for a higher ticket item. You could create some objections like this. Like I, I love bells and whistles. And if you ever say the word cheap to me while I'm buying a product, I won't buy it because in my mind, it tarnishes it. It's like if someone goes, well, this is the cheaper one. I don't want it. I don't want it. Cause I don't want anything in my life that's cheap. You know, I grew up as a kid and I had hand-me-downs. I didn't have my own clothes. You know, uh, my, I had a sister and my mom would buy clothes that were for a boy or for a girl because my parents just didn't have the money. I grew up uh, pretty, pretty poor. And so when somebody says the word cheap to me, I have a visceral reaction to it. And I'm like, well, why don't you offer me the higher end item? Well, I, I don't think you could afford it. Like you're making a value judgment about the buyer. Like you got to think about it that way. You don't know what that person's been through in their life. You don't know what they're going through. You don't, you don't know those triggers they are going to get that. A lot of times salespeople are scared to ask for a higher dollar ticket because one, they don't want an objection. And two, they don't want, They don't want to be rejected from an option that they pick. They're like, they're picking the one that they would choose. And a lot of times that's not the one that the buyer wants. Buyers want bells and whistles. Buyers want good things. Buyers want awesome things. But a lot of times salespeople decide and say, this is what you're going to get. And I'm going to tell you, if somebody decides for me, I'm like, I'm not interested. Like, you're not listening to me. I don't want anything that's cheap. There's been times where I've gone places and people are like, we got one option. We got the cheap option. I'm like, take it off the table. Don't even tell me anything else. They're like, why? And I'm like, I don't buy anything cheap. I like in my mind, it has no value. I don't want to spend my money on it. You could be predeciding, you could be pre-judging, you could be predetermining where your buyer is and giving them not a good enough option. And they may say, I wanted something better. There's times where I ride with salespeople and the, the sales call is done and I do the wind down. I'm like, hey, you know, help me out. We're both sitting here, both parties. You know, you seem like you want the product, the service, you like the company. The sales guy seems like he's good. Where, where did we lose you? Where, what happened? Tell me what's going on. And they'll say, well, you know, we wanted a different item. Like, let's talk about it. which one did you want? A lot of times it comes up to they wanted the more expensive item, but the sales guy or the sales girl was pushing a low level item. Number 10, too many options. I'll ride with salespeople and they're like to the buyer. They'll say, I'll give you as many options as I can. I'm like, wrong, wrong, wrong. Do not. Do not give buyers too many options. What's going to happen is it's going to over flood. It's going to flood their mind. They're not going to know what to do. They're not going to know what to buy. And it creates a confusion. A confused mind always says no. Too many, too many options causes this. And if you're with a buyer and they say, I want a ton of options, you're like, I'm going to help you out, but we're going to narrow some things down. Do you want this? Do you want that? Do you want this? Do you want that? You know, you're going to, you're going to have to look at your own product line to see what you have to offer. But if you do anything more than three. Anything more than three, you are going to get, I want to think about it, or, oh boy, this is a lot to think about. So I'm going to give you a little bit of an item. So if like, let's say for whatever reason you go to crazy town, you know, you got the clowns juggling in crazy town. You got people wrestling alligators in crazy town. You got people doing backflips on motorcycles in crazy town, whatever else is going on in crazy town and your crazy town, you can, you can have going on. Okay. Okay. So let's just say for whatever reason, I make a mistake and I say, I give somebody four and they're like, Hey, Scott, I got to think about it. I'm like, okay, out of all these ones, which one does not make sense? Which one does not make sense here? And they're going to say this one. Okay. Now out of the three that are left, which one does not make sense? And they're going to tell me, I'm going to say, okay, now we're down to two options. Which one do you think is the better option out of the two? At least you can get the person to get narrowed down. But if you give somebody four options, the chance of you closing that deal decreases significantly with the more choices that you give. Number 11, selling the highest paid ticket item. So if you have a product that if you sell for twenty grand, you get 20% commission on, your buyer knows that you're looking at them as a ticket if that's the one that you're only trying to sell because it's going to get you paid. People feel that intention. If you sell the $20,000 item and it's going to help the person out, it's going to fix their issues, it's going to take care of their pain, problem, risk, somehow it's going to help them, they're going to know. But if you're just like, I just get paid more for it, they're going to know that too. And there's times where I ride with salespeople, I I knew a sales guy and they called him high dollar sales guy. I'm not going to say his name because I don't have permission, but they called him high dollar sales guy. And that's all he did. He would walk in and he would sell the highest ticket item that he could get to get paid the most commission. And it was the running joke in the office, high ticket sales guy. (laughs) Number 12, not giving direction or asking for the sale. I have seen salespeople write down the number at the end of the sales presentation on a piece of paper and point to it and say, here's your investment. Yeah. You heard silence. Cause that's what they do. They don't do anything. They don't, they don't say it's easy to get started. They don't say all I need is they don't say anything. They just like, here's what it is. Like you are a movie director at the end of a presentation. You're shuffling the person through the process. You're giving them the, the goods. You're helping them out. You're doing what needs to be done. And then it's anticlimactic at the end. They get to the end and they're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I guess I'm supposed to say I got to think about it. I guess I'm supposed to say I'm going to talk to other people. I guess I'm supposed to say I'm going to get other bids. If you take a look at the 12 different items that I laid out, and if you could cross those off your list, you'll increase your closing rate. You will just naturally, because there's a lot of things in here that fall into the categories of sales basic mastery. When you pay attention to the areas where you could close more deals and make things happen, it'll help you out. You can walk yourself into objections just like you can walk yourself out of objections. You just got to know what you're looking for. When it comes to your selling process and your sales presentation, you could be the one that's causing the objections. It could be all you. Thanks for checking out this episode of the How to Sell Show. You can join the party at howtosell.live to get the show notes, links, updates on new episodes, recordings of previous episodes, articles, as well as videos. You may not know this sales secret. But sharing this episode with a friend will bring you good luck. See you soon. Mahalo.